Hello, this is Jude from newslaundry.com, bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Friday, the 4th of December. India's COVID-19 cases rose by 36,595 today, taking the country's total to over 95 lakh. India reported 540 new deaths and 42,916 recoveries in the last 24 hours. Prime Minister Narendra Modi held a meeting with the floor leaders of all the political parties of the Lok Sabha and Rajya Sabha to discuss the COVID-19 situation in the country and vaccine development. Modi said that in the next few weeks, Indian manufacturers would be able to produce the much-awaited COVID-19 vaccines. He also gave enough indication that India will use indigenously made vaccines as he talked about cheap but effective vaccines. The Prime Minister said in a quote, Experts believe we don't have to wait for a long period to get a vaccine. It is understood that in the next few weeks, COVID vaccines will be ready. The government is waiting for a go-ahead from the scientists. While a steeply priced Pfizer vaccine has already got emergency authorization from the UK and vaccination there is set to start next week, Modi indicated that his government is likely to wait for a vaccine that is made in India. Meanwhile, drug firm Sidis Cadilla said today that it has received the approval from the Drugs Controller General of India, or DCGI, to start Phase 3 clinical trials with its biological therapy, PEGI-HEP, in COVID-19 patients. The company had completed the Phase 2 clinical trials with PEGI-HEP last month. The trials, which will commence in December, will be conducted on 250 patients across 20 to 25 centres in India. Jharkhand today reported 233 new COVID-19 cases, taking the state's tally to 1,09,771. Six people died in the last 24 hours and the toll rose to 977. Seven more people, including two children, have tested positive for COVID-19 in Mizoram, taking the state's tally to 3,888. Puducherry registered 46 new coronavirus cases, while one fatality pushed the death toll to 614 in the Union Territory. The officials said that 62 patients recovered and were discharged during the last 24 hours. Former Jammu and Kashmir Chief Minister and People's Democratic Party President Mehbooba Mufti today said that the farmers' protest had brought the government to its knees and that the BJP was scared of the power of the people. Talks between farmers and the centre on Thursday failed again to break the impasse, though the meeting lasted for more than seven hours. Another round of talks is scheduled to take place on December 5th. Union Agriculture Minister Narendra Singh Tomar once again assured the farmers that the minimum support price or MSP regime will not be done away with under the new laws. The government also said that it has no ego and was handling the standoff with an open mind. However, representatives of the farmers remained adamant on the demand of repealing the three laws, even as they expressed hope that the talks would be concluded on Saturday. Meanwhile, the Samajwadi Party or SP will launch statewide Kisan Yatras or farmers' marches in Uttar Pradesh beginning December 7th to protest against the centre's alleged anti-farmer policies. This was announced by SP National President Akhilesh Yadav yesterday, who said the Kisan Yatras will be taken out by party workers and leaders across the state on foot, bicycles and motorcycles. With joblessness and increasing informalization and the decline of organized unions, the problems of workers have grown exponentially as their ability to make their voices heard diminishes. Given that the largest section of the protesting farmers at the moment are from Punjab, this would have been a perfect opportunity for the media to educate readers and viewers about that state. 
Although we have heard not just the usual suspects in the BJP, but even so-called liberal journalists lecturing protesters on how they should avoid saying anything that could be construed as pro-Khalistan. How is offering such unsolicited advice even journalism? The protesters made some important points about journalism and the media that we ought to heed. We also need to think about what is local news and who decides what is national news. Do read Kalpana Sharma's report titled, Farmer Protests Have Some Lessons for the National Media. News Laundry's Basant and Nidhi have been reporting incessantly on the farmers' protest in Punjab, Haryana and Delhi over the contentious farm bills. Stay updated and also while you're there, do watch Nidhi Suresh's conversation with Balbir Singh Rajwal, President of the Bharatiya Kisan Union on Unconstitutional Farm Laws and an Appeal to the Media. Dear listeners, it is only possible for our reporters to report on these incidents from the ground with your support. We are an independent news platform producing podcasts, ground reports, interviews, videos, media critique and much more. We would not be able to do all this work if not for our subscribers who fund it. So if you aren't a subscriber already, now is the time to join the movement to keep news free and independent. Go to newslaundry.com and hit the subscribe button at the top right hand corner of the website. Lowest subscription starts at 300 rupees a month only. Pay to keep news free. The Trivandrum airport in Kerala will remain closed from 10am to 6pm today due to Cyclone Burevi, which has now become a deep depression, ANI reported. Two airports in Tamil Nadu in Madurai and Tutkodi will also be shut. The India Meteorological Department or IMD said that the deep depression is likely to move slowly west-southwestwards and cross Ramanantapuram and adjoining Tutukudi districts during the next six hours with wind speeds of 50 to 60 gusting to 70 km per hour. It is very likely to weaken further into a depression during the next 12 hours. The IMD also said that the deep depression is likely to cause heavy rainfall in parts of Kerala, Tamil Nadu, Andhra Pradesh and Lakshadweep. More than 5,700 people were evacuated from the Ramanantapuram coast and the government has readied nearly 500 relief centres in these areas. For Tamil Nadu, this will be the second cyclonic storm in 10 days. The coasts of Tamil Nadu and Puducherry face the brunt of the very severe cyclonic storm Nivar in the early hours of November 26th. At least three people were killed in Tamil Nadu. The UP police stopped a Muslim man from marrying a Hindu woman in Lucknow despite the consent of their parents, saying they would first have to take permission from the state authorities under the new anti-conversion law that targets Love Jihad, the Indian Express reported. The police action was based on complaints they received from members of the Hindu Yuva Wahini, a right-wing youth outfit founded by Chief Minister Adityanath. The wedding was supposed to take place on Wednesday in Lucknow's Duda colony. But minutes before the ceremony started, a team from the Para police station reached the venue and told the couple that they could only marry with the permission of the Lucknow district magistrate. Para station house officer Triloki Singh told the Indian Express that the wedding was to be held as per Hindu rituals. He said that the couple were getting married with each other's consent and there was no coercion of any type. Now, let's move on to the international updates. Globally, the coronavirus has infected more than 65.1 million people and killed over 1.5 million people, according to Johns Hopkins University. Over 40 million people have recovered from the infection. The United States continues to lead in terms of fatalities, with over 273,000 deaths alone. North America and the Latin American regions combined have more than 50% of all coronavirus deaths that have been reported. 
Robert Redfield, the head of the US Center for Disease Control and Prevention, warned on Wednesday that the pandemic will pose the country's grimmest health crisis yet over the next few months before vaccines become widely available. Former US presidents Barack Obama, George W. Bush, and Bill Clinton have pledged to get vaccinated for coronavirus on television to promote the safety of the vaccine. The trio's effort comes as the Food and Drug Administration prepares to meet next week to decide whether to authorize a COVID-19 vaccine produced by Pfizer and BioNTech. The United Kingdom's total death toll from COVID-19 has surpassed 60,000 just 3 weeks after it reached 50,000. Official daily data showed that 440 new deaths were reported, taking the total since the start of the pandemic to 60,113. The number of deaths over the past 7 days was 3085 down 5% compared with the previous 7 days. Meanwhile, Italy is banning travel between its regions from 21st December to 6th January as part of strict coronavirus curbs over the Christmas holidays. A curfew from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. will also be in place. Restaurants can open in some regions until 6 p.m., but only takeaways are allowed in other parts of the country. Ski slopes must close until 7 January. These measures were announced as Italy announced its highest daily COVID death toll since the pandemic started with 993 fatalities. 6 years and 3 days after its groundbreaking mission began, Japanese spacecraft Hayabusa 2 will return with samples collected from asteroid Chugu. Launched in 2014, the craft's sample collection sample will land near Bumera in the Australian outback. Scientists believe the samples could shed light on the formation of the solar system and the origins of life, the Guardian reported. By the time it reaches the skies high over Bumera in the early hours of Sunday, the probe will have completed a round trip of around 6 billion kilometers that included two brief stops on the surface of a moving asteroid. According to the Japan Aerospace Exploration Agency or JAXA, the unmanned craft will release the capsule from a height of about 220,000 kilometers. or 136,700 miles. Hayabusa 2's work will not yet be done at that point, however. After releasing the capsule, it will head for another distant asteroid named 1998 KY26, in a mission that is expected to last a decade. Now for some homegrown stuff from newslaundry.com. In the latest episode of Enel Hafta, the panel discussed Cyclone Nevar, farmer protests and love jihad laws, and a lot more. Here's a short snippet from their conversation. I I think this whole um, culture of crushing dissent at a protest level is something that is new and it is not being called out enough. In fact, last night there was love jihad being discussed on prime time while farmers march was happening. I think it's shocking that they're being met with tear gas, they're being met with water cannon. I think we also shouldn't forget that about 20 or 25 crore workers are going on a strike today. It's a, one of the biggest labor strikes. happening across india and it's happening today as well they're also protesting the farm bills they're protesting the new labor codes they're protesting the privatization of banks and public sector units they're protesting the fact that the codes do not allow them to go on strike so and i deep i mean protests are never are not meant to be convenient right they will lead to traffic jams they will lead to chaos because that is the point of a protest if you want to protest to fit within the guidelines of what is amenable for the rest of the public it's not a protest dear listeners a new website has a new podcast player that you can use to access all our podcast shows it includes a host of features like download speed control queue ability to skip to a topic within an episode and even start from where you had stopped the previous time 
So go to our website on your phone or your laptop and click on the mic icon at the top right of our homepage. That's all the news I have for you today. Have a good day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.